0: Here's our podcast from November 3rd, Thursday, a beautiful afternoon before Game 5 of the World Series in Philadelphia between the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies, a pivotal Game 5. The series is tied up 2-2. Two to two. Here's how it sounded when Rich Baxter and Matt Veazey got together talking about those fighting Phillies please remember to hit like and subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast and thank you very much. Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of Phillies Talk. It's the World Series edition. Game number 5 tonight. Super edition for you. We're streaming it live on Facebook, our Facebook page for the Phillies Talk podcast and my blog over at FightPhillies.com. My name is Rich Baxter, and I'm joined with the one, the only, the masterful Mr. Matt Vesey, at Phillies Bell on Twitter. Hi, Matt.
1: Hey, Rich. How are you? Good afternoon, everybody.
0: Good afternoon. Well, uh, you saw a marvelous game the other night.
1: That I did, Rich. I went to game three of the World Series. It was my... First, well, you and I attended a postseason game this year back in the NLDS, but uh, and that was a wild scene. But this was my first World Series game in 42 years. Uh, the last time I was at the World Series was Game Two of 1980. I was a, an epic eighth-inning rally by the Phillies to win that over the Royals, and uh, that was 42 years ago. Uh, I was 18 years old at that time. So here I am, a 60-year-old man now, and. I attended uh, game three of the World Series. Uh, The Phillies came up with a huge effort, as we all know, five home runs, one to seven to nothing shutout, and went up two to one in the series. Uh, We're now even to two to two. Whole different story last night. So uh, yeah, but I had a great time at game three. I went with my brother and uh, ran into a bunch of friends there, and uh, it was just a and then there were, of course, there were 46,000 other friends there and, uh, a lot of high-fiving in the stands, uh, with strangers. And, uh, it was, it was a really good time, rollicking good time on Tuesday night. And that was after, that was our second straight night driving down there. Cause we drove down on Monday night only to get rained out before the game. But, uh, what happened Tuesday night made it all worth it. So, uh, I wasn't there last night, you know, that ugly affair to tied the series. So, uh. I'm looking forward to this game five, though, Rich. You know, we're at any point in this season, okay, from opening day further back, spring training, opening day, uh, middle of the season, certainly when Girardi got fired, um, you know, when they they clinched a playoff spot, when they beat the Cardinals in the wild card round, if you could have told us at any point during any of that run, that the Phillies will be in a best of three to win the World Series, I think we'd all take it. The first game at Citizens Bank Park, I think we'd all take that, Rich. So this is where we sit. You know, this Phillies, fantastic, you know, incredible postseason run here. No, nobody really, not a lot of people expected it. Here we are in a best of three for the World Championship.
0: Yeah, and as you said, uh, Monday night's game, uh, which was game three of the series, was rained out, um, and they waited till 6.45 to make the announcement. You had tweeted that out earlier on in the evening, and, um, you know, a lot of people had a problem with that, but, you know, we've seen it before. Sometimes they call for rain, and it doesn't rain, and if they called it, then, you know, they'd be criticized endlessly – for that but um yeah you had to make the trip but but the good thing is they offered free parking to the people that actually parked and the next night you know they were able to park for free if they held their receipt but uh as you said you witnessed the history one of the greatest games that the Phillies have ever turned in in the World Series or in the postseason um with the home runs and I'm just printing the press notes they just came out just minutes ago uh for game five so I'll be reading some of them later. But um, what's your take on that game? Because I know you had to be stoked. That stadium was on fire. Uh, it, it moves the seismographs, I think, a little bit. Uh, like a, <laughs> a tremor went through Philadelphia that night with five home runs, tying a World Series record. And I watched it from afar. I was at Caesar Sportsbook in Atlantic City, and uh, it was phenomenal.
1: Yeah. uh, To to touch on that rain out, Rich, uh, we were like you said, uh, the call came at 645. But uh, one good thing was that they Major League Baseball and the Phillies, uh, they did keep you apprised, you know, uh, maybe every hour or so. They were putting out information that was saying, you know. Uh, Major League Baseball uh, met with officials uh, from both teams and uh, discussed, you know, where we're at right now, what the weather looks like, and uh, we're going to meet again at such and such a time. So they kept, you know, they did put out right semi-regular, you know, updates along those lines. And then uh, they did say that the final decision was supposed to come around 645. So, you know, we knew that what was going on. And we knew that the, you know, we're checking the forecast. Anybody who was, you know, down there who was bothering, uh, like myself and my brother, our little group were doing, uh, you know, we knew that it was bound to deteriorate as the night went along. So we kind of had this sense that they weren't going to play it, especially when you saw. Uh, The playoff game that was here earlier where uh, it it got really kind of kind of got messy to feel got sloppy. Uh, It started to get reminiscent of that, you know, famous game five uh, back in 2008 where they had to split uh, the two days, three days apart. So uh, it just didn't look good. And. You could feel like the spit, you know, the rain coming down on you, and you're like, this just feels like the beginning. Uh, a couple of times it drizzled a little bit, so uh, I think they made the right call. And we we actually did not go into the ballpark. We uh, stood at our cars, uh, waiting for, waiting for the call. And the only people that beat us out of the out of Dodge when they finally called there were other tailgators, and it was still a mob scene trying to get out of that ballpark, even though we were one of the had to be one of the first ones to, to be trying to get out. But, uh, like I said, there were still, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of tailgaters trying to get out all at once. And then, uh, as we're fighting each other to get away from the ballpark, you could see the fans just streaming out tens of thousands of fans. I don't know. I think they said there were something like 15, 20,000 fans already in the ballpark. So, uh, it was, it was kind of a, a mess, but, uh, Tuesday night was all worth it. As you said, uh, we got down there, had a good time before the game, um, went into the ball game, uh, we enjoyed some uh, final for the year, Bulls barbecue Had my Bulls barbecue uh, pulled pork, uh, with, a, with a nice cold Coke. Uh, it enjoyed an adult beverage before we went in. Uh-huh. And uh, and then we would tried to make our way around Ashburn Alley, which to, to, uh, to our seats. And our seats were right behind the home dugout, uh, row 29, I think it was 116. Uh, so we had pretty good seats there behind the Phillies dugout, but, uh, we, you know, my brother was like, hey, let's cut through Ashburn Alley and take a look at everything out there. So I like, I was like, OK, let's do it. So we uh, did it. Oh, my God, was it a zoo, Rich? Uh, you know, they had A-Rod and his uh, and Big Poppy and their crew set up out there in center field. Uh, right? In They were right in front of, like, if you're watching it tonight, if you're watching those guys from the pregame, they are set up right in front of the Ashburn statue uh, out there in Ashburn Alley. Uh, they're they're across from it. So their backs are to the field and they're facing directly facing the Ashburn statue. Yeah. So trying to get through Ashburn Alley with the pregame, you know, food crowd. I mean, every stand out there was mobbed. Uh, the you had the huge crowd around the pregame show uh, trying to, you know, everybody wants to get on TV yelling and screaming uh, or see at a rod. And then you got uh, the, the crowd just trying to make their way through there. And it was packed. It was the way you would imagine those concerts that you hear about where somebody, people get killed in the crush. That's how yeah. it was on Ashburn Alley. And people are trying to move. Uh, I, at one point, he moved right in front of me through the crowd was Santa Claus. There was an actual <laughs> Santa Claus moved right in front of me. So this became my humorous way to get through Alley. I kept yelling from behind him. I was like, make way for Santa. Santa's coming through. You ain't going to get anything good for Christmas if you don't make way for Santa. Make room for Santa. And everybody's looking and looking. They're seeing Santa. Now everybody's yelling, Santa, Santa. So, uh, Santa did actually get some uh, courtesy from the fans. They were kind of like letting him through. I don't know if they thought he was part of some kind of setup or whatever, but uh, I just rode behind Santa's coattails till we got through Ashburn Alley. And then uh, the game itself, Rich, was, you know, you saw it on TV. I mean, it was a party. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the two, to me, the key was, and this has been the key throughout the Phillies postseason run, is getting an early lead and In the first inning, the very first inning, the entire game was set up when Castellanos on the first pitch of the game made a tremendous uh, sliding catch to Rob Jose Altuve of a base hit. The fans had been to open the game all over Altuve yelling, cheater, cheater, cheater. Uh, somebody, I didn't obviously. I'm at the game. I didn't see the feed, but somebody said on TV. One of the announcers said that sounds like they're chanting "heater, heater." If they want a fastball, and and the other announcer said, "Yeah, with a C in front of it." <laughs> so right. that's what we were yelling, "Cheater, cheater," over and over, really loud for Altuve. I don't know how it came. They, maybe they dulled it for the TV broadcast, but it was pretty loud at the ballpark, and. He very nearly answered and shut everybody up, you know, a uh, first pitch uh, went after it and hit a nice sinking liner to right. But uh, Castellanos comes up as he has throughout these playoffs, right? He hasn't hit his weight, but he has played some tremendous defense and he made another tremendous sliding catch out there in right field. And that got the crowd, of course, pumped up and back into it. And then the bottom of the inning, of course, two outs, man on, Bryce Harper. The home run was no doubt about it. I mean, it was crushed from the moment it left the bat. Everybody knew it was massive roar. Uh, and that just started everything off, you know, and snowballed from there five home runs, seven to nothing. Uh, Thompson didn't have to use any of his high levers, relievers to get through the game. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a party.
0: Yeah. As you said, uh, a home run party. Uh, every time you turned around, somebody else was hitting one, but, um, A little bit off of the press notes here from that game. Uh, Phillies hit the five home runs, setting a club record for a postseason game and tying the record for a World Series game, joining the Astros, believe it or not, in 2017, in which they did it uh, in Game 5 versus the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, That was a game that lasted 10 innings. Aided by
1: by the help of some trash cans, I'm going to (laughs) guess.
0: Maybe. And the Athletics did it in 1989 as well in game three against uh, San Francisco back then. The Bash Brothers,
1: that. McGuire, Canseco. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that was the um that was the earthquake game as well. The or the earthquake series that is, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the Yankees also did it. So um, this was back in nineteen twenty eight game four against St. Louis. The Babe. I
1: um, guess the Babe hit one of them. At least one of them.
0: Yeah, so it's been done by a number of different teams, um, but it was phenomenal that the Phillies uh, joined that club as well. Um, it was just amazing to see you know, Bryce Harper pick up. Uh, if the Phillies go on to win the World Series, I guess he would have to be your World Series MVP, depending on the outcome of the next three games. If it goes seven games... Uh, there could be another hero in there for the Phillies uh, because these games are going to be the pivotal games. I didn't want it to go to this, the best of three games now, that the series is tied 2-2, two to two, but, you know, that's the way it is. And as you tweeted out a little earlier ago, this will be the last game at Citizens Bank Park come hey or high water uh, this afternoon and this evening, uh, the World Series. Game number five taking place First pitch is 8.03 p.m.
1: Yeah, I'm fine, Rich, with it being, you know, 2-2 two, two and a best of three. It's uh, obviously, you know, obviously we all wanted to win yesterday and, you know, it would have been nice to ride the momentum from that 7-0, 5-homer game, you know, and in, into another one. But they had opportunities yesterday, Rich. You know, that game was scoreless through the first few innings. And the Phillies left runners on, a runner on third base, I think, a couple of times. Uh, Harper got the third. I think Marsh maybe was got the third at one point. Now, it was with two outs. They needed a two-out hit. As it turns out, they didn't get any hits all night long. Uh, but, you know, they, they had their opportunities early in the game, you know, to take that early lead, which would have, again, gotten the crowd back into the game, no matter how well. Javier was pitching. Uh, Houston wasn't doing anything, you know, really much with Aaron Nola either. And I think Nola was, you know, he they, they he got hit a little bit there, but they were all singles here. They were mostly singles that he was giving up, and you know, singles through the infield or a single over the infield. And uh, I just I didn't really feel like he pitched that bad a game. I mean, you just once in a while you have to give it to the other team, and The Astros put together a big inning, I guess what it was the fifth inning after four scoreless. And their guy, their starter was phenomenal, Rich. I mean, he was. But no matter who was pitching, you know this guy was lights out, Christian Javier, and uh, you know he's been that way for a long time now for them uh, since they put him in the rotation, I believe uh, around midseason or something like that, and and he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. So uh, and in the postseason, he's been un- unhittable almost until last night. He was unhittable, but he's been nearly unhittable up to this point. So. I feel like have nothing to hang their heads about. Like uh, they asked Kyle Schwarber after the game, you know, Oh, you got no hit, you know, how's it feel to get no hit. And what did Kyle Schwarber say? I don't give a shit. Yeah, that was right. his exact, you know, uh, quote. So yeah. uh, I did utter the Brown word right there, but uh, no bleeping out, you know, we're, we're okay. big boys here. This is where I'm only uh, repeating what Kyle Schwarber himself said. And, uh, and I like that attitude, you know, turn the page, you know, that's what yeah. this team does, Rich the Phillies, right. One game, they, they split on the road. Then they come home one game. They hit a record five home runs and shut the other team out the next night. They get no hit. This is the Phillies. This is what yeah. we've been. We have experienced this for six and a half months, almost seven months now over seven months now, right from, from April through through October. So we're, we're seven months of this, you know, the, national fans who don't follow it the way that we do, or even Philly fans who, are, who don't follow the Phillies on a regular basis. This is the, the schizophrenic, you know, 2022 <laughs> Phillies coaster. that we're, yeah, we're used to this. So, yeah. you know, wh- what's going to happen tonight in game five, Rich, who knows, but I, I can tell you one thing, they're not going to get no hit tonight. They might not hit five home runs again, but they ain't going to get no hit. Uh, Verlander has been very human, in his career in the postseason. That has continued this year, and I, exp- I, I see no reason why uh, this team isn't going to come out and do something tonight. Uh, again, key for this game five, same as always, get an early lead and keep, uh, keep the fans in the game. That's the, that's the key.
0: Yeah. Um, you almost sensed that there was going to be a letdown um, after that tremendous game that they turned in Uh, with the five home runs. I had a a bad feeling about last night's game uh, going into it. Um, I just had a a weird feeling that the Phillies were just going to, you know, deflate possibly and turn in a clunker. And, of course, uh, as you said, Christian Javier uh, did not allow a hit in the sixth innings that he pitched um, and became the 10th pitcher in World Series history with an individual – no hit bid of six innings pitched or more. The first since New York Mets, Jerry Kuzman. You remember him uh, sure. back in nineteen. Former
1: Philly legend. Yeah. I think Kuzman pitched six, for the Phillies yeah. in his final uh, big league season, 1984 maybe, something like that.
0: Yeah, so it ended up being a combined no hitter for the Astros. And I watched, to um, be honest with you, I, I watched bits and pieces of the first five innings because I was out and about. And then I focused in after the fifth, um, after the Phillies were already down, watched the rest of the game. There wasn't too much to watch, actually. But, um, yeah, they turned in a bit of a clunker. And as you said, we've seen that from them over the course of the season. The Astros scored those five runs in the fifth inning. They snapped a scoreless streak of their own of 16 innings, which began in the sixth inning in game two. So... The Astros have been extremely cold up to that point. They scored the five runs, but they didn't do much after that. No. You know, they, they didn't score any more runs. So, no. um, as you said, I think these teams are coming into this again at the beginning. We don't know what we're going to expect, but I'm glad we're facing Verlander because he's been downright terrible in his World Series and postseason appearances uh, I'm glad we're facing him tonight I really am and what a great performance by uh, Ranger Suarez the other night. I, he gave me glimpses of like a cliff Lee out there on the mound with the confidence the poise the professionalism and nothing bothered him out there
1: yeah that's his you know his mo right rich he's uh, he controls the game he controls his own emotions uh, he controls the pitcher's mound as far as fielding goes he's an outstanding fielder. Should have been nominated, at least nominated for a Gold Glove this year. I think he maybe he fell short or something like that, where with innings qualifications. But uh, he he absolutely deserves to be considered. He's 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 if somebody's a better fielding pitcher than Ranger Suarez at his position, uh, they can't be much better. You know, he's as good as anybody in the game at fielding the pitcher position. And like you said, he controls his emotions. The moment is never too big for him. And uh, we don't know what's going to happen again over these next couple of days, but he is slated to make the start in game seven. And be honest with you, you know, what we've seen out of Nola and Wheeler so far in this World Series, if you would have told me at the beginning of the World Series that the Phillies were going to get stinkers out of Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, I would have said we might get swept, you know. But uh, here we are, you know, 2-2. And I don't know that, Rich, that I would want. That I would feel uh, more confident with anybody on else on the mound to start a game seven for the Phillies right now than Ranger Suarez. Uh, and, unless you've been really paying attention, you know that might sound crazy, like crazy talk when you have a, a Zach Wheeler and an Aranoa on your staff. But Ranger Suarez is that kind of cool customer who he's not going to let that game seven World Series last game of the year. It's all you know, all the marbles. He's not going to let that get to him. You know, he's going to be that same cool customer that he always is. So I'm very confident if we get to a game seven. But, uh, you know, it's going to be all hands on deck at that point. And before we get there, I'm looking for a a decent, you know, three innings, maybe tonight, maybe four innings, if possible, out of Noah Syndergaard. He's pitched well in this postseason for them. I think he has something like three appearances. He's uh, made one start, but he hasn't really gone more than I think he has a total of maybe five or six innings pitched. But he's been solid for them in his postseason. So I'm looking for, you know, he's 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 one of those unflappable veteran types. Stuff isn't what it used to be, you know, three, four years ago. But he's a smart pitcher. He seems to have learned how to adjust to his lack of stuff, if you will. And uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking for him to keep the Phillies in this game uh, three or four innings, give, give them a chance to get a lead.
0: Yeah, we've seen that from him off and on during the season, uh, that poise, the confidence. the And he was dialed in the other night. He was just uh, amazing, uh, picking his spots where he was throwing the ball, kept the uh, ashes. Suarez
1: you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kept the Astros off their game completely. They couldn't do anything against them. So, yeah, I share your enthusiasm about a game seven if he's our starter. Uh, according to ESPN Stats and Info, the Astros are the first team in Major League history to throw two combined no hitters in a single season. One happened during the regular season, of course, and the other last night against the Phillies. So, uh, and. According to Stats LLC, the Astros are the first team, regular season or postseason, to allow five home runs or more in a game and throw a no-hitter in the next game. I guess you had to kind of figure that, The, the only team, first team to ever do that.
1: I was at the last uh, postseason no hitter, Rich uh, Roy Halliday's no hitter right here at the bank. And that's kind of crazy to think there have only been three postseason no hitters in the history of Major League Baseball. And two of those were right here at Citizens Bank Park in the last 12 years. So, uh, you know, uh, what else can we say? You know, they they pitched a great game last night. Uh, they have great pitching. So there's not not a lot more that we can you know talk to talk about with that no hitter. Uh, it's not going to be a no-hitter tonight, so all I can say.
0: Yeah, and about <laughs> roughly 140,000-plus fans got to take in, including tonight's game, of course, Game 5 here, as we're talking on this podcast on November 3rd, a Thursday. Got to see a World Series game, so I know that's great memories for people that are going to the game. The volume's been incredible, although I did hear some talk about last night's game not being quite up to to a level, according to other people that were at different games, but, you know, every game's different, every crowd's different, and I think they'll be amped up tonight, and tonight, uh, if you're watching our video feed of this, uh, the Phillies are going to be returning to an old uh, uniform that we remember very well, uh, Matt, the old powder blues, taking us back to the 70s a little bit in the 80s.
1: Yeah. Well, they, they wear them occasionally, uh, uh, these days. So fans are pretty, pretty familiar with the powder blues, not just us old timers. And, uh, these are gorgeous uniforms, rich. So, uh, it's always been my, uh, you know, my, my, uh, recommendation that they go back to these powder blues for their regular road uniform. Uh, you know, this gray stuff is really boring. Uh, there's nothing to them. So, uh, you know i would rather see them go with the powder blues it used to be a bunch of teams that wore powder blues on the road and uh there's a lot of uh retro you know stuff going on in the world you know these days it's pretty hot uh phillies could be the uh, a trendsetter you know go go be the first to go back to regular powder blues on the road uh they can go with these red things and i really love their cream uniforms you know let the red tops and the cream uniforms be uh, special special wear uniforms but I'd love to see these powder blues every day. They're just, they're just beautiful uniforms.
0: Yeah. They're awesome. Takes you back. uh, If you are a little bit older and you've, uh, you know, seen them play in the seventies in these powder blues, I was wearing my uh, Pete Rose Cooperstown collection last night and during the afternoon. uh, And I got some comments, I was shopping out and you know, people wanted to stop and talk and, You know, talk about Pete Rose, and they were there in 1980, and they have a bat. I mean, there's a lady at the Christmas tree shops I happen to be in. She had like a 10-minute conversation. Yeah, she was at the World Series in 1980, has all kinds of autograph memorabilia. So everybody has a story, and um, the Phillies fever has swept the Delaware Valley, New Jersey, PA, Delaware, all around here. Uh, for the 118th uh, renewal of the World Series. And uh, I can't wait for Game 5 tonight. Whatever the outcome, if the Phillies lose tonight, their backs will be up against the wall. And this game and series is going back to Houston, like it or not, for you know the next two after that, possibly. So it's it's a race for three games here. And it all boils down to this. And uh, frankly, I don't think Phillies fans would have in any other way because um, we didn't expect some of us a sweep. Now, you called for one. I didn't put the bet in Vegas. I know in our last podcast I said I was going to. I didn't. But uh, it would have been nice for a sweep, mind you. Uh, But the Phillies will not um, do that on this series.
1: A little bravado there, Rich, you know. throwing out a little bravado you know I, of course i believe it was possible anything's possible uh sure. but you know if you don't go into the series uh, confident then uh, maybe you shouldn't be in the series you know what i'm saying so uh you know i was confident in our guys they've been playing great in the playoffs so when they won the first game so uh things looked good at that point <laughs> but uh yeah. it, you always got to remember there's another team out there and this is a 106 win ball club that's uh played great ball ball day uh, uh most of your baseball experts were, will call them and have called them the most complete team in major league baseball this year uh just because you have the most complete team in Major League Baseball and just because you have one of the best records in baseball during the regular season doesn't mean you're the best team this time of year. Uh, you want to be the best? Then uh, beat us if you want to be the best. Uh, otherwise, we're going to beat you, and we will, have, we will be the best team. Uh, you, people can hang labels in any manner that they want, use any criteria that they want, but uh, the best team in baseball in 2022 – that's going to be determined over the next few days.
0: That's true. And, uh, you know, there was a story circulating um, earlier before the World Series actually started. Uh, Dusty Baker and some others were talking about the lack of any uh, African Americans on either team of the Houston Astros or the Philadelphia Phillies. And that's just the way the cookie crumbled as far as, um, you know, that happening. But according to each club's World Series roster, the teams combined for 20 foreign-born players, tying the 2021, 2019, and 2012 World Series for the most in a single fall classic. So, um, you know, 20 foreign-born players uh, included on both teams' rosters here in this World Series. So, I think that's amazing. That's a a good plus for the world and uh, you know, it's unfortunate about the African Americans not being there, but for some reason it just happened to go down that way. I don't think, uh, you know, anything can be made of it other than that, you know, so. Um,
1: bigger that, That's a bigger issue than, than the Philadelphia Phillies or the Houston Astros, Rich, you know, it's a major league baseball issue. Uh, the game is trying to make itself more attractive to uh, the, the minority audience, especially the African American audience with a lot of an, uh, aggressive initiatives like the RBI programs that are in most of the major league baseball cities and other big cities around the country. so. There are uh, a change is coming if you look over uh, a lot of the most recent drafts, there are some uh, really strong African-American prospects who are coming through Major League Baseball systems. So hopefully we'll see a change in that in the coming years. But, you know, it's uh, it's all about people making decisions. Uh, it has nothing to do with the game or the teams, you know, you you try to put the best team you can together and you don't worry about those kinds of things. This is not a, uh, equal opportunity, you know, game, this is a best players play game. We're not going to give, you know, two spots on our team to you just because you fits check off some kind of a box. The only box you check off to get a, a place on a major league roster is, are you good enough? You know, to make the major leagues, are you good enough to play for our team? So uh, I'm sure the Phillies right now would take uh, would happily take a team that has Barry Bonds, Willie Mays and Hank Aaron in the outfield. Uh, We would love to have, uh, you know, players like this. You know, we'd love to have Willie McCovey at first base and uh, uh, Joe Morgan at second base, as we did once have at one point. Uh, Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to rattle off off the top of my head, you know, people that I can think of at each position. But, you know, the Phillies would love to have, you know, players of this caliber. Well, let's got to find those players. You know, it's difficult to find them. So uh, it's an issue, but I don't see it as a major issue. Uh, major League Baseball attendance is healthy, uh, they, their revenues are healthy. So, uh, just keep making the effort keep trying your best you know to make yourself attractive to all different audiences you know and then individual people players athletes uh, young people they're gonna you know fans with their dollar uh, they're gonna make their decisions of you know what they want to do what games they want to play or sports they want to try out for and chips fall where they
0: may yeah for sure Um tonight's starters of course as we said our game five preview here pretty sunny here rich
1: here at the ballpark as you can see the sun streaming through here
0: yeah i'm actually
1: i'm actually out on my on my rooftop deck here uh at the vz (laughs) ranch but uh you know i got my nice phillies background but sun streaming it's a beautiful day i can fans who are going out to this game five tonight are in for a a treat as far as weather goes it's been great the last two nights so
0: yeah it can't get much better out there today was an amazing afternoon and as you said it's going to be an amazing time at the ballpark i was going to go down and and celebrate a little hoopla down there but uh, (laughs) hoopla i love that word (laughs) it's a little uh out of control off the hook down there um but i'm gonna ride you
1: want to go down and ride the first wheel rich
0: maybe the maybe the first wheel check out the um what the, the fan bus down there, you can sign the fan bus. They have the Clydesdales down there. They brought them out for the World Series. As my well. oldest
1: daughter, uh, my oldest daughter was down there yesterday. She didn't attend the game, but she went to all the festivities and rode the Ferris wheel, signed the fan bus. So oh. uh, it's a scene, man. You know, if yeah, you want to go down there.
0: It's definitely a, a must do. If you're a Phillies fan, just check it out. Even if you don't have tickets, as you said, you can buy World Series merchandise of you know, various sorts, although I thought there should have been a lot more for fans that can't get into the ballpark, but that's another another story for another podcast. And uh, there's
1: plenty of stuff over there, Philly Live. You know, you can go to this big, there's going to be a big celebratory crowd in there, you know, so no admission fee there. Uh, you right. just got to go in and party with, you know, a couple thousand of your closest Philly fan friends.
0: Yeah, but uh, tonight's matchup between Noah Syndergaard and Justin Verlander, I'm so glad Syndergaard is starting for the Phillies tonight. There was talk about if he were needed for games three and four to, to go into the rotation as a uh, reliever that he may not start game five, and it might have been Kyle Gibson. But um, I'm That was a question
1: for- I got, Rich, by the way. Um, I asked for questions at uh, Phillies Bell and my Twitter feed, at Phillies Bell, and uh, I did get three questions, and one of them was what we thought about Noah Syndergaard starting tonight.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, in my opinion, I think it's awesome. Um, read you a little stats from him here. He's made 146 career regular season appearances uh, between his Mets, Angels, and now Phillies career. And uh, in the postseason, he's got some postseason experience. He's 2-1 and one with a 2.30 ERA, 31.1 innings pitched, 8 earned runs allowed in eight career postseason appearances. So he's made five starts as well, Matt. Um, So I'm really happy. I'm, I'm hoping that he goes at least three to four innings, maybe even more, and can keep the Astros off their game tonight as Ranger Suarez did the other night. And I hope the Phillies can hit Justin Verlander. So if we can have that happen, we might be talking about a win for game five in our next podcast. Yeah,
1: I, I I think I touched on Cindergard a little bit earlier, but yeah, I'm I'm confident with him. He's I'm you know we don't expect him to go you know six seven innings. Uh, that, nobody expects that. You know their plan is that it's a bullpen game for the most part. He'll go if he gives the team uh, three or four innings, keeps them uh, shuts them out or holds them down to even just a run or two, uh, keeps the team in the game, gives them a chance to get an early lead. Maybe that's what you're looking for out of cinderguard tonight. And then. All hands are on deck, uh, I think, for this game because you got him an off day tomorrow. Uh, he he kind of uh, got used a lot of his relievers last night that hadn't been used on Tuesday night. So between Tuesday and Wednesday night, most of the guys in the bullpen have gotten an inning. Uh, so they're, everybody's pretty either between rested. Andor gotten the kinks, knocked out. And uh, I don't think anybody's going to be off the table for tonight with tomorrow being a day off other than, you know, maybe a couple of starting pitchers, but uh, you know, all hands on deck with the bullpen. Cinder giving give them a good game. I think.
0: Yeah. As you said, it's gotta be no all hands on deck because uh, let's face it, it. It's not a must win, must, must, must win in quotations, but it's a must win for the Phillies tonight. If they don't win tonight, Their backs will be up against a wall that I wouldn't want to be up against. Uh, Syndergaard, he has never faced, rather, the Astros in the postseason, but he's 1-0 with a 2.89 ERA and 9.1 innings pitched in two career regular starts against the Astros. Uh, Both happened this year while with the Angels, so he has faced them. That's important as well. He knows a little bit about this Astros lineup, and 2.89 ERA, 1-0, I'll take that. I'll take it every day.
1: Um, I, I, guess, I think we said all we can about Uh Yeah, yeah. I want, want to go to another question, Rich, that I got. Uh, I got a question on what we thought about Topper. Seems like he's been going to pretty strict platoon uh, on, on, in a couple of spots. In center field, when there is a right-hander on the mound, like tonight, he'll start Marsh and Stott at shortstop. When there's a left-hander starting on the mound, he's been going with Beerling in center field and Sosa starting at shortstop. So uh, I don't know what your feelings are about this platoon that Topper has going now. And do we expect that that's going to be the case? You know, is that just a postseason thing or is that the plan going into next year? Are these guys only platoon players?
0: Yeah, I my take on it is I wasn't happy with it when I first saw it. I like you had said on many podcasts previous, the last couple, you take those who brought you to the dance. Um Answered Stott, those that brung you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Paraphrase. Yeah. Um yeah, Stott deserves to be in there, in my opinion. Marsh deserves to be in there every game. Um I don't know, Veerling is is not an equal swap out in my opinion with marsh not in the least and i'm not a big sosa fan although he could be okay in my book but i kind of like that lineup that we've seen him win with the stott marsh the lineup from the other night uh and several nights prior to that i wasn't happy with that lineup myself that's just me
1: yeah i'm uh I kind of agree with you there. Uh, I, I, I don't, I think he's a borderline major leaguer, uh, period. Uh, nice, you know, he's got some speed, uh, run down some balls in the outfield, but uh, maybe a sixth outfielder in the long run. Sosa is a professional, you know, baseball player. He's a fantastic fielder. So I have no, no problem with him as an extra fielder, but. Uh, Stott and Marsh have to be everyday players. And I think they will be going forward in the next season. You might give them an occasional break against a tough lefty, but, uh, these guys need, you know, they, they've produced against left-handers before. And, uh, they're, they're the best players at their position. I think, you know, Stott's part of the future. So you have to, uh, I think, you know, dance with the ones who brung you, like we said, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I think this is short term. I think that the idea is, you know, he he he's looking at the fact that uh, Stott is still a rookie. You know, even though he's performed well, uh, Sosa is a, a tremendous fielder. So I understand there. Uh, you know, uh, so I guess it's all short term. You know, to me, but uh, I'd be I'd be very surprised if this is some long term plan that extends into twenty twenty
0: three. Yeah, for sure. Well, I wanted to remind our listeners out there, check us out on social media. Matt's at, at Phillies Bell on Twitter. My handle is at FightinPhillies, without the G, on Twitter. And you can find my blog at fightin'fillies.com. Of course, this is Phillies Talk Podcast. And um, also check us out on BaseballTalkRadio.com. It's the home for great baseball talk shows. I'll have a live 24-hour, seven-day-a-week Radio stream playing there real soon. I just got some of the um, nuts and bolts worked out on that. I haven't had it active for the last two years with the COVID season and all. I disconnected it, but that will be back. I was hoping to try to get it for World Series time here now, but it looks like it might be over the weekend uh, activated. So check that out over baseballtalkradio.com. And Matt, you tweeted out a nice tweet earlier today. Uh, way back in 1964, on this date, November 3rd, uh, voters in Philadelphia approved a 25 million dollar municipal bond to fund a new multi-purpose stadium to be built in South Philly, and that one, of course, didn't open to the early 70s. But uh, 1971, yeah, yeah. What a great, uh, what a great story that was. Uh, voters. Approved another $13 million for this place. And you had tweeted out the final cost would be $60 million for a place like veteran stadium. What a massive place it was.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, and it turned out to be, you know, by the end, uh, an antiquated concrete jungle, if you will, with a difficult to play on surface, but, uh, they were constantly over the years trying to find a good artificial surface. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of great memories, you know, Rich, I first came to the game when Veterans Stadium came to South Philly. I was born and raised in South Philly. Uh, my dad wouldn't take myself or my brother to games at Connie Mack when we were little kids. Uh, simply because the neighborhood had deteriorated, partly because of that, and partly because of a difficult work schedule that he had. But uh, I was introduced to the Phillies at age nine in 1971 when the Vet opened, and uh, enjoyed so many, you know, games there over the next, you know, three plus decades. Uh, but especially in those early years, the Vet was really. Uh, It was a, it was a kind of a palace in those days. Uh, It was was a showcase, uh, a ballpark. And uh, it's hard to, you know, explain to younger people, you know, who maybe only experienced it in its final years, but uh, I have a lot of great memories of Veterans Stadium. Yeah, true. But I have a lot of great Veterans Stadium memories.
0: Yeah. The Eric Gregg era, the different Phillies teams, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties. Sure. (laughs) Into the early 2000s, so yeah it did it did string along a lasting set of memories for a lot of us. Uh, the numbers had to be like twice as big on the back of the jerseys because the some of the seats were well back from the field. You had to sort of like you know eyeball, who is that you know but uh, my uh, my uncle like- and
1: I went to uh, game two of that nineteen eighty World Series, and our seats were right behind home plate. But we were at the very top of the 700 level, which they had put in, they just put in, I don't know if you remember this, but the vet in the first maybe half dozen, seven, eight years that it existed, you could walk around entirely around the top of Veterans Stadium. Uh, it was like a it was like a a thing to do you know especially when we were kids we would just go up to the top of the vet and walk all the way around you could look out over uh there was a space you could look out and see like you know sections of the city but uh what ended up happening was for that 1980 world series they they took that away they installed uh, metal bleacher type seats all around the top of veterans stadium where you used to have a walkway and my Mm -hmm. uncle and i in for that world series had those seats the bleacher seats uh, at the very top of the ballpark. And so even though we were right behind home plate, it looked like it was, <laughs> it looked like you were, you know, a mile away, you know, down there. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, watching Schmidt and trio, you know, make some big hits there in the eighth inning and slides and but it like, looked like almost like ants, you know, running around. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it was still a great, you know, still a great atmosphere. And there were many games where I got to experience better seating, but uh, it, some of those 700 level seats were far away.
0: Yeah, I only had the occasion to sit up there once, and that was in the final three games. They called it, quote-unquote, the final innings of the vet right. before close. closed. But yeah, I wasn't a big fan of sitting all the way up there myself, but yeah, still took it in from up there. And speaking
1: um, of the final innings, Rich, uh, the other night at that game I was at Citizens Bank Park, a number of – celebrities, uh, former Phillies were there and it's just added to the fantastic atmosphere. But, and one of those was Tim McGraw, uh, and they flashed him up on the scoreboard and the, you know, crowd gave him a really huge round of applause. And then he like he acknowledged the crowd and all. And then he stood up and he turned around to show that he was wearing his father's jersey and Uh the the place went nuts. So it was uh, really nice. You mentioned the final innings where Tug McGraw, they brought him back and he he uh, he, uh, you know, reinstituted uh, that that final pitch, you know, where he uh, struck out Willie Wilson to win the 1980 World Series. So and Tugger was battling cancer at that time. Uh, had lost a lot of his hair, but uh, he still had a lot of energy. You know, at that at that point when the ballpark closed.
0: Yeah, and a story came out with a lot of Tim McGraw's fans really didn't even realize his dad was a pitcher with the Phillies and such a famous pitcher at that. So that story came out uh, here in the World Series, and that's what the World Series is good for. There's so many stories that get emulated and pop up and you know books get written about these things that happen and you know the again the word hoopla the celebrities Kate Upton being in the crowd you know uh
1: Verlander's well, wife you know
0: yeah yeah uh the guy named Miles uh big Phil Miles fan. Teller yeah Miles Teller Top Gun right?
1: star Top Gun Top Gun uh, 2 or whatever they're calling it
0: yeah so he's always there uh, of course the 2008 World Series winning Phillies uh were in attendance uh, the other night. Top four guys were there.
1: Great to uh, see Hamels and Utley back in a ballpark, right? You don't see yeah. them a lot. You know, you see yeah. uh, Howard, you see J. Roll. Um, these guys, even Chooch, you don't see Chooch a lot. So it was great yeah. to see these guys back.
0: No, not at all. Uh, it's so great to have them back. And as you said, Utley's hair, man, he's got like uh, he's taken on a new life with that hair. He's got the gray you know, pushed up Martian look
1: on, <laughs> well, in, in LA, when he got out to LA, they started, he, he's the man, you know, to us and chase out the, you are the man. Uh, so we're always going to know him as the man or chase, just chase uh, out in LA. When he went out there, they started calling him the silver Fox. That was his nickname out in LA when he played for the Dodgers. Uh, Cause his hair had turned gray by that point.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, his transformation. Uh, of course, he had his World Series uh, hat on and his um, uh, shirt that he had on. Somebody had tweeted out, oh, he's wearing the same one. Of course, it's not the same one, but his same outfit, so to speak, that he did uh, in the parade. Um, this uh, series is, of course, the 118th World Series, but it's the 48th time, Matt, that the World Series has been tied 2-2 two to two in this series, you know, 2-2, uh, two to two, and the third time in four years since 2019, that, and seventh time in 12 years since 2011, uh, in the previous 47 instances, the home team has won 27 times in Game 5, and the road team, including the 2020 Dodgers, uh, has 20 wins in Game 5. So history is on the side of the Phillies. The home game... But did you just uh, say team. it was
1: 27 to 20?
0: Uh, yeah, 27 wins in game five for the home team and 20 wins in game five for the uh, road team.
1: That's not a big difference, Rich. <laughs> really uh-huh. is not a big difference. So, so this you know, it's, be the f- it's a toss f- up.
0: Yeah, only the 48th time in 118 uh, World Series that the series has been tied up 2 to 2. So, uh, pretty cool on that. Uh, Bunch of stats, bunch of you know, great umpiring the other night. By the way, um, Dan Iasonia had a, like a ninety-four uh, percent call of the game. Only missed a couple, couple balls here and there. Uh, it's been an outstanding called game. There's been no um, weird calls, so to speak. No game-changing calls. Uh, everything's been pretty good on that so far.
1: Yeah, they, I'm not sure who he was at this point. I knew the name announced, just oh. eluding me. But uh, game two, I think it was game two's umpire, mm-hmm. or game three, game two or game three, umpire was given a perfect score uh, right. by whoever grades these things. So uh, the, um, the umps have generally done a good job. Uh, I think the umpire for game one was a little bit inconsistent. Um, let's just you know, let's just hope they become a they're a non-factor. You want them to be a non-factor, you know.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, well, as we bring a draw to the close here um, of this podcast for Philly's Talk Podcast, let's give a couple predictions for the remaining part of this World Series. You take it away, Matt. What do you see happening with uh, the next possible three games in this series?
1: Uh, you know, something now is telling me it's going to distance, you know, I'd love to see the Phillies get the, lead. uh, you know, series back lead tonight. Uh, I think there's a really good chance of that happening, but then, uh, seeing sh- shifts to Houston, uh, the way the series has been going, you know, it's been back and forth, back and forth. Uh, so I, I would have no reason to pr- predict anything otherwise that then that will continue. And then, uh, I'm very confident in Rangers wars in a game seven. So, Uh, I'm going to protect the Phillies in seven with uh, Ranger Suarez maybe becoming the World Series MVP.
0: I love that prediction. I'm going to have to agree with you. I thought about it before we did the show here. I hope they can do it in six, the Phillies. I hope they can seal the deal tonight in Philadelphia and go to Houston. I believe it's Saturday um, and do it again in Houston. So uh, that would be my dream. Phillies in six. A Game 7, I don't know if I could watch, um, especially with the Phillies, because what we've seen from them is just so unpredictable. But tonight tonight is going to be a rare event in history. Um, the two teams that are involved are also going to have the NFL playing with the same two cities involved, uh, the Eagles playing in Houston at the Texans tonight on November 3rd. 2022. The last time this happened, and it's happened several times before in World Series history, was 2011, 1023, October 23rd, 2011. St. Louis and the Rangers played, and the NFL game was the Rams, St. Louis Rams, which no longer exist, at the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, interesting that that happened, uh, Matt. And before that, we have a Philly connection. November 1st, 2009, the Yankees were playing at the Phillies that game. It was a game four of the World Series. And the New York Giants were playing at the Eagles that particular day. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, happened four other times other than that. So this is, let's see, two, four, six, seven. Uh, this is the, want to say the seventh time that it's happened. Two, four. Five, six, seven times previously. I think they're pretty
1: fortunate, Rich, that uh, the schedule actually falls the way it does. That the Eagles aren't playing this game at home. Could you imagine if uh, this game was a had been originally scheduled for for the link? You know what it would be like down there. Uh, yeah. You know, would they have adjusted one of the games to Phillies game to a day game, maybe or something? I, I can't imagine that because Major League Baseball wants the ad revenue, so you would add <laughs> the Phillies you know game five of the world series on one side of patterson avenue and the eagles on the other side oh man would that have been a mess but uh they're fortunate in that regard that they're playing in houston the birds are i don't know if you caught my the very top of this podcast anybody was watching or might be watching earlier in the podcast. i was drinking my coffee and i was drinking it out of my eagles Eagles coffee mug so all right awesome going to be uh, doing rooting on the Phillies and the Eagles here at the VZ Ranch which you can as you can see is getting flooded by sun right now. It's such a gorgeous yeah. day here, Rich. I can't keep saying it. It's uh, yeah. I'm wearing a long sleeve, you know, Phillies shirt here and it's uh it's just it's a little warm, you know, yeah. and the sun is beating in. I think the fans are going to love it tonight.
0: You never want these kind of days to, uh, come to an end.
1: The remote control, Rich is going to get a workout tonight between the Phillies and the Eagles. You know, we'll, we'll be watching the Phillies here, but, uh, every commercial will be flipping back to see what the birds are doing.
0: Especially, uh, yeah. On a night like this, uh, I'll be at the sports book taking this game in and the Eagles game. Of course, they'll probably have it on two of the biggest screens in the house there. And, uh, It's a nice place to watch games. They had the Flyers on the other night while the uh, Phillies game was playing. So on a commercial, you just watch the Flyers. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. You know, it's like a dream for a sports fan. But uh, down at Citizens Bank Park tonight, game five of the 2022 World Series, Phillies legend and 2008 World Series champion Brad Lidge will participate in tonight's ceremonial first pitch. So... uh, Lidgy, the perfect one back in 08, will be throwing out tonight's ceremonial first pitch. Sounds
1: nice. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds like he's a winner, you know, clinched the World Series for us. So uh, they've, they've given these 2008 guys a lot of spotlight here with these first pitches, uh, ceremonial first pitches. So uh, good for them. It's good to see them all uh, back. And I'm sure over the next you know decade, Maybe even beyond that, we'll be seeing a bunch of them uh, going in, joining Pat Burrow and Charlie Manuel uh, going into the Wall of Fame. So we'll see them back here again.
0: Yes, we will. And, um, you know, just a side note, I had mentioned to you this in a text uh, a couple days ago, but uh, the camera and Richie have been promoted as of the somewhere in January up to the morning show in WIP. Congratulations to them taking over for Angelo Cataldi. And we'd like to throw our hat in the ring, Philadelphia. How'd you like to have Matt and Rich for your, uh, afternoon guys with WIP? You think we could handle that, Matt? We're
1: not controversial enough, Rich.
0: You know, we don't,
1: (laughs) you know.
0: We'd have to get a little more opinionated. Don't throw enough
1: insults around and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I could be more opinionated, but, uh, I'd like to stay just on topic, you know, uh. So well, I don't know. Let, let them guys enjoy it. I'm not really a big sports talk radio fan. You know, they they look for a lot of sensationalism. They look they they emphasize the Eagles far too much. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, to me, it's a large, it's, it's become a, almost a wasteland, you know, Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio, uh, what I like to call Philadelphia Eagles Talk Radio, you know, with a yeah. lot of, you know, they, they, they'll throw in the other sports when something like this is going on. The Phillies are in the World Series. If the Flyers are in the Stanley Cup Finals, the Sixers are in the NBA Finals. Otherwise, they touch on them and everything and its vast majority Eagle coverage.
0: Yeah, even the other day. the Eagles, uh, but yeah, even the other day when the Phillies were playing a World Series game, a lot of the talk was about the Eagles. You know, like you got to turn that down when the Phillies are in a World Series. It's great talk, but you have to have priorities, and that's what I think they lack some of the times. There, they they let the Eagles fans control uh, a lot of what's said on that station and things like that, and that could be easily controlled by. You know uh, the host. The right, yeah, the host and you know and the, the
1: producers. Like they say, the uh, they'll say they're, they'll argue with you and say that uh, uh, it's it's what the audience wants. It's what the audience. You know, we we respond to the audience. Uh, now you're supposed to you're, you're supposed to drive the conversation. You know, and the audience will go in the direction in which you drive the conversation. Uh, so. Yeah, to an extent yes but you're also supposed to take an active role in driving the conversation as well uh mm-hmm. and you you know you should be spreading the love if it as it will uh around to the major sports uh teams in the, in the city now, if you ever listen to uh new york like uh 660 you know on the am dial in new york i don't know what they are on fm now but uh the fan the fan yeah. does a lot of baseball talk so uh you know is it that new york's a better baseball town in philadelphia i really don't think so i think it's it's just that yeah. you know that's the direction they choose to go they they spread the love around they'll talk football they'll talk giants and jets uh, but they'll also talk to their basketball teams and they'll, and they'll talk a lot of yankees and mets so yeah I, I don't have a lot of i don't have a lot of respect you know for philadelphia sports talk radio um, and I don't really listen to it myself. So uh, I do listen occasionally and then I get turned off. I get, like I said, I'm driving down the other night to the game twice, <clears throat> listening to the WIP and uh, 97.5, flicking back and forth, trying to hear baseball talk. And there was some, but there was also there were also talking about the Eagles. too. I'm like, what are you talking about the Eagles for? I'm on my way right now to a World Series game here in Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, give me a little
1: what I came for, so, so to speak. Well, I mean, they did talk give baseball, me. but I'm saying, why are you even talking about the Eagles? You know, you, yeah, you, That's you. all you do not 80% of the time anyway. You know, Save that. This should be all like Philly's time.
0: It's got to be uh, on the management and the producer, as you said. But uh, on our screen, if you're watching the video version over at YouTube. Hey, there's Brad Lidge. Facebook, yeah, Brad Lidge there, Carlos Ruiz, and we all remember that pretty well. And I have my own version of that. I think mine's a little different unless it was zoomed in upon. I've got the big, uh, I don't know if you can see this. Let me hold it right up in front of the screen here. Brad Lidge there with the,
1: you know. Hey, there he is. His head's getting <laughs> flying, cut off a little bit.
0: Flying through the air there uh, with my green screen in the back. But uh, I would love to get this thing signed. It's like a 20 by 20 print that I bought uh, after the World Series <clears throat> And I need Brad Lidge and uh, Carlos Ruiz to sign this. So uh, one day. Hang on to it.
1: Yep. You'll have an opportunity, I'm
0: sure. One one day I'll get it. But uh, hopefully the Phillies win the rest of these games of the World Series. We'll be on again to recap it for you after the series. Um, It's going to be too nerve-wracking to do it in between unless Matt really wants to go for another show before, you know, maybe if it goes to a Game 7, we'll do one. Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right, so check Matt out on Twitter at Fighting or at Phillies Bell, rather. uh, If you want to follow me at Fighting Phillies, and I just signed up for Twitter Blue, Matt. Um, I love it. I've had to use it so many times to edit my tweets because I use my cell phone the majority of the time when I tweet, and it spells things wrong, it does different things what it wants to on its own. But I have 30 minutes to go back and edit my tweet. It's been a godsend for five bucks a month. Well worth it for me.
1: Yeah. God bless right. you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Twitter Blue, uh, if you're in the business, so to speak, tweeting, uh, you want a good uh, way to uh, back yourself up a little bit so you don't have to delete tweets and go back and reissue them. and That's a pain. Uh, Twitter Blue, sign up for it. It gets a, a thumbs up from me. <clears throat> Maybe
1: thanks. Elon Musk will send you a little stipend there, Richard.
0: <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this show on Philly's Talk Podcast. Give us a like and subscribe. Share the love. Tell your friends about us. And, Matt, uh, enjoy the rest of the World Series. And uh, go Phils.
1: Follow at Philly's Bell and go Phils.